may be seated. And today we'll be talking about hiding ourselves in, in Jesus. How many of you like to play paintball? Have any paintball fans here? Well, paintball is a lot of fun, even for grown men. I remember uh, several years ago, I had the privilege of being a part of a youth group outing where we went to play paintball at a local paintball uh, company. I'm not exactly sure what a paintball arena or uh, field or company. And so we divided up into teams. We got all of our, our paintball guns and paintball ammo and we, we set out to uh, do battle between uh, these two teams. And, and I remember that, that I was always trying to find some object to, to hide behind. And so I found some pretty good ones and was fairly well protected. Although these uh, shields are not, they don't always work out. There, there can be some deficiency. So I, I found one, one particular object to hide behind that I thought was, was, was a pretty good shield. And it covered my head and my, and my body, I thought. But what I didn't know is that the entire bottom half of me was exposed. And so my legs uh, got painted. And then one of, one of our team members decided to be a hero. And he decided to throw caution to the wind and jump out behind the shield that, that he was uh, safely behind and charge the other team's line. And he was just splattered with paintball all over his body. So that, that paintball experience uh, has reminded me that oftentimes the shields that we try to put up are deficient to protect us. And certainly charging out to do battle with no shield at all is incredibly unwise. We will get hit. Today we want to talk about what the Apostle Paul talks about in verse 16, which is about the shield that God has provided for us. But this shield is, there are no deficiencies with it. This shield protects us completely. And this shield is the shield of faith that we read in verse 16. As I have been doing, I will read the context beginning with Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, and then we'll read through the end of verse 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask you to once again enable us to understand this particular piece of armor as well as how it fits into the other pieces of armor that you have provided for us for the spiritual battle. As our brother prayed earlier, we will experience conflict that is ultimately rooted in this cosmic conflict between Satan and Christ in the heavenlies. 
And Father, you have, you have given us all that we need to stand firm. And so today, teach us about the shield of faith. Teach us about our need to take up Jesus and to hide safely behind him. Praying this in his name. Amen. So the first thing that we would want to consider today is the shield itself. Now, as we have been doing, the Apostle Paul obviously is describing the, the armor that a Roman soldier might, might wear. And we are, are look, looking today at this uh, shield of faith. And I want to just simply mention that there were two different types of shields that Roman soldiers would use. There's something called the half shield. Think of a, think of a trash can lid. And they would use this as they were battling in hand-to-hand combat. But, but there was another type of shield that, that was used. In fact, the Greek word thyreos refers to this shield. And uh, it was the Roman scutum. It was an oblong, large, door-like shield that was designed to protect the entire body. It was not used for hand-to-hand combat, obviously, but it was used when a military, a great army, was approaching a city with a wall, and they would have this shield to protect them from the volley of fire, arrows typically, that would be shot at them as they stormed the city. And an interesting component to this shield is that it was made out of wood, but it was wrapped in linen and leather, and we'll learn about why it was wrapped in linen and leather in, in just a moment. We're told that, that, that this shield of faith was to protect from flaming arrows. Flaming arrows. In other words, there was a double threat with these flaming arrows. And so the, the tactic that was used in ancient times was to put a coating on the tip of an arrow so that you could set it on fire and then you could shoot it And not only would the enemy risk being pierced by the arrow, but he also risked being set on fire by it. And in reality, one of the primary reasons for this flaming arrow was to destroy the shield. And that's why it was wrapped in linen and leather, this shield, because it would better absorb the flame and keep the shield better intact. And so the whole point of this flaming arrow that was shot was to do maximum damage. And so imagine that we're an army and that, and that we're, we're arrayed for battle before this great city with a wall. And, we, and we've got our scutum. We, we, we've got our, our shield. And we are marching to take the city. And all of a sudden the commander instructs us to to kneel down and put up our shield because a great volley of flaming arrows is being shot from the city. And there beneath our shield, we would be perfectly safe. After the volley is over, we're given the order, stand up, and we march on, and we take the city. So that really is kind of the context of this shield of faith that we find The flaming darts of the evil one is what Paul tells us in in verse 16. And I would suggest to you that the flaming darts of the evil one are more harmful than the flaming arrows of a military behind a city wall. 
want to spend just a few moments considering the flaming darts of the evil one. A dart or an arrow is literally translated a missile. It is not self-propelled. It has to be thrown or shot. It implies that there's someone throwing that arrow or that javelin. And what Paul says is that these are flaming darts of the evil one, Satan throwing these darts at us. What, what does Satan throw at us? Well, certainly he throws temptations at us. He throws lies at us. He, he, he throws accusations at us. But I want us to think in this way. Whatever it takes for you and me to doubt God, to curse God, to turn from God, that is what Satan is going to throw at us, whatever it takes. And he knows our weaknesses in part. Well, what is Satan throwing at us uh, today? Think of what Satan threw at Job. The darts of loss of family, loss of material goods, loss of reputation, loss of friends, loss of everything, though his life was protected. Satan threw all of that at him so Job would curse God. But you know what the beauty of Job is? The book of Job? Is that it shows us, it shows us that God protects his people even through the fiery battles of Satan and that his people will ultimately stand firm and be faithful. That's the lesson of Job. It says this, a righteous man, one in the righteousness of Christ, will endure whatever Satan casts at you. Beautiful book. Think of, think of Jesus in the wilderness. Satan threw darts at him, three darts. And Jesus remained faithful. Think of the Apostle Paul, the dart of that thorn in the flesh that Paul calls a messenger from Satan, and, and Paul remains faithful. Think of Peter and the dart of Peter. I'm going to, Jesus said, I'm going to hand you over to Satan to, to be sifted. And he was sifted, but he was restored, and he became the leader of the church. What is Satan throwing at us today? Maybe, maybe you're tempted with this. Life hasn't turned out like I had hoped. And I'm just not going to fool with God anymore. Maybe the dart of my spouse isn't meeting my needs. So I guess I just need to look for another. Maybe the dart of I've been wrong. And I'm going to get revenge. Maybe the dart of God's truth makes me unpopular <laughs> and I want to be popular and therefore I'm going to set it aside. Maybe the dart of the Christian life is just too difficult to live and I am giving up. I am tired of fighting day and day and day and maybe this is the dart that God might be flinging at you and me today. My church is in too great of a battle. I'm leaving. 
for another church. Satan throws fiery darts. Even if it looks like it really isn't Satan shooting, it could be Satan using even others to shoot fiery darts at us. The fiery darts that are thrown at us are always from Satan. And we need to understand that. See, it's not really a matter of if darts are being fired. I mean, look up and see the volley of flaming arrows coming towards you and me. It is not a question of do we need a shield? My paintball story should convince you of that. The fundamental question is this. What shield am I holding up? That is the question that the Apostle Paul answers. And he tells us it's the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Just a couple of years ago, I was out. Uh, you know, Many of you know I love to deer hunt. I like to bow hunt. And I had set up a ground blind, and I had a perfect setup. I was sitting in my ground blind, ready, and a deer came 20, 20 yards away, broadside. And I thought to myself, this, this is like going to the grocery store. I mean, and I'm a good shot. And so I had, I mean, I got that bow up. I, I pulled it back. I already had my arrow knocked, and I aimed. And, I mean, it, nothing, nothing could go wrong, and I shot expecting to see, see the deer jump up like they do when they get hit. And the deer just stood there, turned up, looked at me, and went back to eating. And I thought, wait just a minute. There is something really wrong with this picture. And I just, and I just remember looking, going, and of course, before I could knock another arrow, the deer, deer took off. So when I got out of my blind, I looked, and I found, I found pieces of my arrow on the ground because when the arrow left my bowstring, it disintegrated. It was as if there was some invisible force field around this deer. And that my arrow, my, my carbon arrow, and they're kind of expensive, hit that force field. And it literally disintegrated. Later that season, I did shoot a deer. But it reminds me that God has a, an impenetrable shield around us. And that arrows cannot penetrate it. In fact, they disintegrate as if they hit an invisible force field. The Roman uh, scutum was subject to failing. It could break, it could burn. But the Christian shield of faith will not fail. Satan can throw darts, flaming darts. And though Satan's attack can be fierce, the shield that we have is impenetrable, indestructible, 0% fail rate. When an arrow of Satan hits it, it literally disintegrates. And we are safe behind this shield. Now the word that the Apostle Paul uses to show this is the shield of faith extinguishes. 
the fiery dart. In other words, it doesn't penetrate and wound the warrior. It is the shield of faith. And Paul does not mean by because I believe I'm protected. And I don't even think the Apostle Paul means that through faith I'm protected. I think what the Apostle Paul means is the object of true saving faith, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is our shield. 1 John 5, 4 speaks of our need for Jesus being our shield. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, who is that who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Our faith in Jesus, Jesus being the shield, the object of our faith. 1 John 5, 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. He who was born of God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. See, Jesus is our shield, and behind Jesus, the evil one will not touch us. Our shield, then, is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Paul commands us in verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In other words, in all circumstances, take up Jesus. In all circumstances, hide behind Jesus. Jesus. And, and what does this look like? What does it look like to take up Jesus and to hide behind him? If we take the cross as representing the person and work of Christ, the, the, the finished, complete work of Christ for our salvation, including our justification and adoption and, and sanctification and ultimately our glorification, Paul says, take up Jesus, the Redeemer, take up that cross and put that cross up so that it is interposed. It, that cross is in your hands. You've embraced it, and it is between you and the evil one. And you hold that cross there as if hiding behind it. And the darts of that evil one, Paul says, will not penetrate that powerful force, that powerful shield, the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, the, what extinguishes the fiery dart is not our faith in the sense of, I believe in Jesus, but it's Jesus himself. And taking up the cross, we do by faith. We, we grab hold of Jesus. We believe in him as the shield. We hide behind him by faith. And I think two psalms respect, re reflects this. Psalm 27, 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And then Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And the picture that I want you to leave with today is you as a Christian warrior continually embracing the cross and holding it up between you and the fiery dart. Take hold of Jesus by faith. 
And he's promised to be your hiding place. He's promised to be your shield. And we're to continually do this. It is not for just this time or that time, but always. So by faith, when we take up the cross and and we hold it between ourselves and Satan, as it were, no accusation will stick that Satan might make. Listen to this, Romans 8, 33 through 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is vindicating us in heaven. And speaking of vindication, there is an ultimate vindication that by faith we take up the cross. And though there may be those that malign us, those that seek to discredit us, those that seek to destroy us, we take that cross, we hold it up, and we hide behind it knowing this in Isaiah. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their Vindication from me, declares the Lord. We will be vindicated ultimately as the church. And we hide behind that cross, resting in that. The shield of faith is Jesus. And when we believe upon him, by faith we embrace him and as it were, hold up Jesus. No fiery dart of Satan will penetrate that shield. Well, just near America's largest golf tee, you will find America's largest cross. And this uh, cross is called the cross at the crossroads. Lording over interstate highways 57 and 70 in Effingham, Illinois, as the publication describes. Renee and I have driven past this huge cross so many times going up from Little Rock to Fort Wayne, Indiana to see her parents. And this last time, this past summer as we passed it, I, I said, hey, Renee, get on the internet. Get, go to the cross at the Crossroads website. Let's read about this thing. So she did. And we found out this cross is 198 feet tall. And 113 feet wide, it would be taller except there are FAA regulations that, that, that restrict it. And, um, and this is stated on the website. This is so funny to me. It says this, the cross was built to outsize all other crosses in our country, especially the giant cross in Groom, Texas. I mean, when they built this cross, and what, what they were saying is, my cross is bigger than your cross. Is that not funny? And when we hold up Jesus, we are saying, my cross is bigger than your darts. That my cross is bigger than the largest cross in America. In fact, my cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, compared to the largest cross in America, makes the largest cross in America microscopic. That my cross will defend me from anything and everything that Satan might throw at me. My cross will not 
fail. I boast in my cross because I boast in the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving work and his glory and his reign and his rule today. My cross is bigger, Satan, than your darts. And I will hide safely behind it by faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we're able to say your cross is bigger. Bigger than anything. Able to shield us from anything that Satan or man might throw against us. Give us faith, Lord, to take up the cross. To take up Jesus. And rest in his promise to be our hiding place, our shield, and our defender. For Jesus' sake. Amen.